For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, so before we get started, and we got your mailbag questions coming up, is Nikita Kucherov still on the podium? Is he still shirtless? Is he still... Are you serious? The... Are you... <laughs> Number one BS. Number one BS. <laughs> Number one BS. I think that was trending nationally. Number one BS. That, that's I... not champagne. That's Bud Light. Number one BS. <laughs> Everything, every answer to the question that somebody poses to me, not in this mailbag, but in the future that I don't really want to address... I'm just going to go, number one BS. <laughs> well, I think, I think before I ask the mailbag questions, you need to go, Steve, let's go. Let's go. What you got? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was one of the most enjoyable uh, post-gamers, press conferences, whatever you want. Whatever that was, that was that's priceless. I mean, that, we, I mean, that, that ranks up there. It, it probably exceeds it, but, uh, you know, I can remember, and it, 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 in no way it was the same stage, obviously. I mean, he had just won a, a Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance after they, they beat the world <laughs> champion Philadelphia Eagles when he came out in Deshaun Jackson's coat and, and jewelry and all that and, and was in complete character, and somebody said, is any of that yours? And he goes, yeah, the chest hair. <laughs> that, that one was an all-timer for me um, with the Bucks. But I'm telling you, you got to love Cooch. I mean, I know, you know, there was uh, a time when um, he got criticized, I think, you know, for a lot of things. Uh, remember the Columbus series going back a few years ago and, and took a penalty and got suspended. You know, he wore a lot of the blame, I think, for that, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. But what I love about him is, is, is him showing his personality. And I think a lot of the Russian players in particular back in the day got sort of typecast or or uh, stereotyped wrongly that you know they were very unemotional and just sort of you know i mean there's a language barrier he, by the way his english is terrific <laughs> I, I i mean i don't know how long he's played here don't care but my russian stinks so um I, but i thought that was one of the most entertaining parts of that night and i've watched i i don't know how many times i've seen not just the post game but just the celebration you know, you, when, in real time, you, you know you miss things. But um, watching it over, listening to Dave Michigan's call, this this town, and I, I just arrived again this morning. Th- this town is really buzzing, and and in, in an, an intoxicating way, maybe a hangover way, um, about that victory. And, and Kucherov, that could not have been better. Well, we all love drunk Cooch at the boat parade and celebration last year at Raymond James Stadium. He took it to another level. <laughs> Much did. like this team took their game to another level to win a second Stanley Cup, right? Cooch did the same thing in the post game celebration, uh, and, and and you know how about his honesty? Oh yeah, about how Mon- about the Montreal? Montreal fans? I mean, and, oh. and everyone's like, you know, he ripped the team. No, he did. I mean, I guess you know he thinks they're better than Montreal, but he said the fans thought they won the Stanley Cup after winning Game Four. He didn't say the team did. Yeah, they acted as if they had won the cup or something. Yeah, yeah. and he he specifically said the Montreal fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't he wasn't ripping the team. Uh, Keith Olbermann's out there, you know, destroying oh, I, John Cooper yeah. and Nikita Kucherov, and yeah, you know, saying it's everything is wrong with sports. I'm like, yeah, you know, lighten I, lighten up. Yeah. He's celebrating in, he, in in a moment of honesty. I loved it. I mean, I I think it's great. I mean, you know, too often with Kucherov, all you get is you know, uh, you know, I'm just uh, you know, it was a good goal tonight. We played well. Uh, right, you know, I mean that's pretty much what his post game press conferences usually are. So, to be honest with you, and and maybe this is maybe it's the sport. I really don't know because I I have never covered hockey. You know, that's the one sport I haven't covered. I obviously watch it, and I we have people on this podcast and, and colleagues of mine that have covered it for years and years, like Tom Jones and others. But it seems to me, and maybe it's inherent with the sport, that guys are less apt to talk about themselves in hockey good or bad i mean particularly if it's good like they they really do go out of their way to say we mm-hmm. and not me mm-hmm. and not i and 
more more than any other sport I remember. You know what I mean? Like it it, it seems like they just are. You know, it, it is the culture, the culture of hockey. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it has been for years. It's all about the team. It's not about me individually. And, and not that Stamkos didn't want to score 60 goals the year he did or that Cooch didn't want to you know, have a, you know, 128 or whatever points it was the season he did. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they definitely, you know, and, and he liked winning the Hart Trophy. And I'm sure Vasilevsky is proud to win the Conn Smythe. But it's, it truly is about team when they talk and, and – this team in particular, which we've gotten to see and cover, you know, I think you see how close they are. And, and, you know, last night and even leading up a little bit, they've talked about this is our last run as far as, you know, such low. I mean, the thing about this team for seven years, they've had very little turnover. Right. This year they're going to have more turnover than they're used to because of salary cap and players are going to start getting paid like Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow and, and others. So. Um, you know, this, this team has really, you know, and they went through maybe one of the most embarrassing losses ever two years ago, no doubt. And, and look at how stronger it made them. And, and, you know, you can only do that if you come together as a team and, yeah. and, and, you know, but yeah, hockey players are all about, you know, Oh, it's, you know, the goalie always says it's everyone in front of them. Everyone in front of them says it's the goalie. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's, that's right. the way it goes in hockey. Yeah. And I, and I do believe that, you know, at least the ones that I've been around or I've covered a few, not that many, unfortunately, but um, the teams that that seem to win, even the teams that I didn't cover during the season, but at Super Bowls and things, they are the ones that are willing to put aside ego for the greater good. I mean, they just are. And generally, um, you might not have, you know, if it's football, 53 guys that all love each other. Um, but what you have are, are 53 guys, you know, willing to sacrifice for each other. And that, that brings me... And, of course, we talked about the physicality of hockey and, and how difficult it is to win this championship and win 16 games with just the attrition uh, and, and the grind, the mental and, and particularly physical grind that, that you have in hockey. But now we're starting to learn just how beat up these guys were. Listen, Steve, I can't believe in speaking about Kucherov that the guy you know took the cross-check in the uh, was it the Isle series, I believe, mm-hmm. and continuing. This is a guy that missed all of the season with a with a uh, hip surgery, uh, rep- recovering from that. Played with a broken rib, a cracked rib, in hockey, where you know you're getting and he him in particular was getting targeted, you know, throughout the rest of the playoffs in the next six games or so. Uh, you just it's unfathomable to me how these guys can go out there and and you know we talked last night about Alex Kalorn having surgery and want to put a rod in his in his broken fibula and go back out there and play. I mean, this is... He tried to... Is, so he had it in, what, uh, game one. Right. And he tried to come out in game four. He took warm-ups and said it, it wasn't working, and it, and it got worse after that. But he tried three games later. This is crazy to me. To come back and play that. Yeah. They're and, special. And Nikita Kucherov with a fractured rib. Um, and played great. Mm-hmm. You know, played, like... You know, like I said, he he lined some guys up too. He wasn't backing down from physicality. Um, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, and so that's why. Well, Barkley Goodrow in Game Five, Barkley Goodrow, you know, yeah. barely could get off the ice and didn't miss a shift. Well, and the the blocking shots, you know, this is the thing. Like, you know, not there's no way to put into words what it, what it means for a guy to sacrifice himself. And, and and lay himself down in front of some of these some of these hard slides. And you see it in the playoffs more than you do in the regular season, obviously. But I mean, to a man, those guys were all willing to take shots. In 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 the case of of Kalorn, you know, one that knocked him out of the playoffs uh, to protect the team, to protect the lead, to protect the goaltender. To, you know, um, and and I thought, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw the Lightning block more shots in this playoff than than they did even a year ago. I'd have to go look at the numbers. I don't know I mean, if statistically yeah, I don't know that's statistically, the case, but, but but boy, it sure seemed it sure seemed like they were uh, proficient at it. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I yeah, can think just, of late Sorelli diving for a block mm-hmm. that was huge. Uh, you know, Goodrow, of course. I mean, you know, McDonough has blocked and Sergachev have blocked a ton in this series. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, hockey truly is. You know, really, the great teams are the ones that do things for the better good. That's right, and. and you know, I'll even equate this to the Bucks, but the Lightning. 
you know, two years ago, they, they have 62 wins. Nikita Kucherov's got 128 points. Uh, you know, they're rolling, and then they get swept by Columbus. And what do they do the next year? They come back, and they redo their game. And it's all about, as John Cooper has said over and over again, it's not about what you put in the net, it's what you keep out. What you keep out, yeah. And, and Nikita Kucherov's point totals went down. Other players' yep. point totals went down. But yep. it was all about we're getting ready for the playoffs. We're going to play this way. And we're going to be better in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. they said, Steve Eiserman, it's been you know, told for years, the Red Wings would go up and down the ice, and he'd score 100 points a year. And finally, Scotty Bowman went to him and said, do you want to win or do you, you want to point totals? He said, you've got to start playing both ends of the ice, not just one. And your point yeah. totals will go down, but we'll start winning. And they won. And they won yeah. lots in Detroit. Right. The Buccaneers. You know, you've got, you've got all pro receivers and Chris Godwin and – Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. And they went to them and said, hey, we're, we want to sign Antonio Brown. And they said, good, do it. They could have yeah. said, no, it's going to take away some catches from me. Sure. But they didn't. They said, if he's going to help us win, and we're going to give us more weapons. Let's, mm-hmm. We're all about it. You know, yeah. it's the, the good teams, it's not about the personal records. Those come with it sometimes. Yeah. And because you have really good players that are going to perform They're really well. They're going to produce, yeah. But it's about, it's about the prize at the end of the season, not the awards that – come individually yeah and mike in mike evans case i mean he was chasing history mm-hmm. right he was had a chance to break randy moss's record with his seventh straight 1000 yard season to start a career that meant a lot to him you know there, there's not many guys that leave the game and say hey i mean the only player in nfl history to do this mm-hmm. and you know for mike evans um you know to to not not just you know Antonio Brown, but but also welcome Rob Gronkowski, who was going to mm-hmm. take away targets. You know, um, and, and so on. And so, I, I just think that you're you're exactly right. It is it is those teams that uh, that pull together and and you know bleed for each other and you know decide that you know numbers be damned, I want to win. They're the ones that win. And um, you know we've seen this example in Tampa Bay. Over and over again, I think the Rays have an organization that's built that mm-hmm. way. I mean, mm-hmm. they, their their formula requires you um, to make yourself available. Let's say you're a pitcher. Uh, can you open a game? Mm-hmm. Can you start a game? Can you come in the middle of a game? Will you close a game? Um, you know, and, and all those guys have to buy into that, and that's to some extent Kevin Cash's job. Well, and you're not going to play every day. You're not going to play you're every position. Platoon. You're going to yeah, be I pinch hit you all over the field. You're going to be pinch you know? hit for frequently, and you'll do pinch hitting a lot. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's matchups. We're we're going. We're trying to put our team in the best position to win, and in so doing, we want to put you in the best. Now there is a you know in, in baseball it's a little different. There is a a payoff. First of all, every player wants to play every game against everybody, right handers, left handers, you know, and they prefer to have one position, not five, but. Regardless, the secret sauce is is that whether it's analytics or or whatever, the Rays put those players in the best position to have success, and generally the players respond with production. You know, so there is a there is a, there is a payoff on the other end for a lot of these guys that have come in. Maybe their career has been you know sort of hit a bumpy patch, or um, you know whether it's the the pitching coach and Snyder and them getting together and saying, "Hey, throw this pitch more, throw that pitch, you get more swing and misses, do this more." I mean, they have helped guys come through and then sort of re-energize careers and go on to, you know, to to, to bigger paydays someplace else. But whatever that thing is, um, you know, that's how you win and that's how you win big. And and yeah, I think Kucherov is part of that too. You know, because he he could, you know, if he was healthy and played a whole season, he'd probably score fifty goals a game or fifty goals a season without a problem. And that's just how talented he is. But man, that was fun. It, it was fun. The, the whole the whole you know 24 hours the glow that you feel as a community um it's palatable you know uh there, there's now there's going to be a parade uh on monday at 10 a.m yeah and, 11 and it, actually it'll start at 11 the, the players will 11. board the boats at 10 a.m okay but the the, the boat parade will start at 11 a.m right and then there'll be a championship celebration at julian b lane park downtown at 2 p.m which is phenomenal and um I, you know, it's good. It, it's the way this has sort of happened with uh, with hockey. At least we're in the summertime. Um, schools are out, so you know, uh, I know parents mm-hmm. work and things like that. But an opportunity to maybe get uh, even more people uh, involved. The pandemic 
we have some vaccinations. I mean, you know, the time, even though in the Bucks did, of course, remember a year ago or less than a year ago. 282 light, days ago. 282 days ago. Well, that was between the championships. Between so. championships. Well, when the Lightning had their, their first boat parade and sort of got this going, um, you know, we did not have a vaccine, I don't believe, at that time. <laughs> and uh, so it was, you know, some people called it a super spreader event and all this stuff. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it was or not, but, uh, the, the one thing is, it seems like it would be safer. Obviously we've had fans and well, so on, but yeah, they thought the, the boat parade could spread people out. Although, and we know now after the fact that because it was outdoors, that helped a lot. I mean, the, the, yes. the outdoor transmission is not nearly as, as, uh, prevalent as we thought it was initially. So exactly. So it ended up not being a super spreader event. Right, but this one will, of course, be outdoors, and nobody does boat parades like like Champa Bay, and and it's going to be, you know, a, another the uh, third one in uh, what ten months? Incredible, just just absolutely incredible. And I, having gone on one of these in a water taxi, I can't tell you the best place to watch it. I just know it's a hell of a lot of fun, and to see these guys celebrate with with the community, which is what they want to do. They want to share it. Did you see? There's a uh, I didn't know this until recently. The Stanley Cup has its own Twitter feed, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the cup itself, and it's brilliant. Um, but it has it has been speaking on Twitter about various things, about remaining in Tampa Bay, etc. Uh, and you remember back to the Super Bowl, of course, Tom Brady tossed the Lombardi Trophy across the river to Cameron Brait. He did, yeah. And that, you probably read about it, and that that made uh, all the headlines. So, what was it now? What's the exchange between the Stanley Cup? Uh, talking about the fact that it might be a little too heavy. So the Stanley Cup tweeted, FYI, I'm too heavy to throw Tom Brady and tagged him. <laughs> so then Brady responds this morning, I don't know. Everything feels a bit lighter after some tequila. <laughs> yeah, it With does. an LOL emoji. It's great, isn't it? This is great, just the back and forth interaction. Of course, you see all the tweets from the various teams mm-hmm. uh, back towards the Lightning, the way the Lightning and other teams congratulated the Buccaneers. I think it's really cool. One of the cool things about uh, having a multiple professional sports teams in a, in a market is all of them sort of taking ownership of that market, you know, and, and pulling for each other, even when things aren't going very well, but particularly when they are. Um, and we've seen that now uh, on all for all three major sports teams and the Rowdies, too, for that matter, uh, to some extent. Bruce Arians has tweeted um, it was that way with the lightning going towards the Bucks when they were making their runs. So. Mm-hmm. That's also been a cool part of it. All right, so we got some mailbag questions for you to wrap up the week. Uh, not unexpectedly, some are about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's get started. All right, well, you already got to Joe's question about did you have a problem with Kucherov's comments after the game. Mm. Uh, he thought it was great and loved it. I think we both did too. So, Yeah. But Matt asks, can the Lightning officially be called Tampa's first sports dynasty? Without hesitation, yes. Um Generally, it takes a little. Well, no, that's not true either. The fact that they went back to back, I think, obviously puts them in a, in a very small subset. Right? There's not that many teams, and what is it? Two in the last, I don't know how many years that. Two it, in the last twenty. I mean, the Penguins did yeah. it in sixteen seventeen, but before that, right. you had to go back into the nineties. So two in, two in the last twenty have done it. Uh, that that already puts you in rare air. The fact that they did it consecutively. Um, so what I was going to say is there have been many teams that have won three or not many teams, but there's some teams that have won three in five years or three in 10, you know, 10 years, whatever. But, but yes, going back to back, winning multiple championships with predominantly the same, the same club. I mean, the, the core of the team, um, this one in particular, a lot of the same players, uh, in these last two championships, I think you can call them that. And in fact, I read a story, it might have been Joe Smith in the Athletic had quoted somebody talking about, you know, while this team will look very different next year, uh, and I can't, I can't remember who he was quoting, but, you know, they said they they really are like, you would not, not that, I don't surprise is the word, but, but you would not dismiss them um, even knowing that they're going to have you know, uh, some some substantial changes simply because of both the organization and its ability to develop guys, mm-hmm. but mostly the core is still intact. I mean, you you just, you know, you take, start with the fact that you have the best goaltender in the world. I don't care what the Vesna trophy says. Um, Nikita Kucherov 
top three, maybe certainly better than top five mm-hmm. um, score or, or player, offensive player in hockey, and Victor Hedman, who's mm-hmm. obviously one of the top one or two or three defensemen in and hockey. You didn't you know? mention Braden Point yet. Didn't mention a superstar in Braden Point. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have that many, you know, top ten, top five players at their positions, and then all the guys that you have surrounded them with that are going to be back, it's it's. We talk about three peat like it's something you know that happens frequently, and it does. But it it will not be without of the out of the realm of possibility, and and, and to some extent, maybe even maybe even expectation. I mean, look, everybody's going to gun for the top. You know, no matter who's wearing the the lightning bolt on their sweater, they're they're going to have it's a it's a bullseye now because they've won two in a row, and and you know you've mm-hmm. you've got to knock the beast off. But um, they're going to be. They're going to be right back in it again. I mean, this this hockey team is not suddenly going to be satisfied with two, and then every team is different. Mm-hmm. You had guys, you know, the, the two guys that accounted for the scoring this year weren't even on the hockey team last year. You'll have guys come in from other teams. Um, you'll have guys come up and fill spots. They won't have a ring on their finger. They'll want one, you know. Uh, and so the, the hunger is still going to be there. Well, and to add to the dynasty talk, not only do you have two championships back-to-back, but the last seven years, this group has made five times they've made the Final Four in hockey. That's it right there. You've set the NHL record for wins in a season, 62, two years ago, and scored the modern-day record of 128 points. You know, you've won Vesnas and Hearts and Norris trophies. and I mean, you just name what this team has done for the last seven seasons. It's been remarkable. They have Most playoff wins, what, seventy yeah, wins in the last seven years. Yeah. Crazy. Now is in the playoffs, and that's twenty-eight more than the next best team. Yeah, they're lapping the field yeah. at this point. And two of the years you won zero. Right. Playoff right. game. So, right. You know, is this a dynasty? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. I, I, you could have called it a dynasty before they won back to back. That's true. You know, after you mm-hmm. won your first, you because of how long they've been together and, and playing as well. But you add the second one on, it absolutely is a dynasty. That's yeah, automatically. Yeah. And, and and for uh, until they're able to do it themselves and win multiple championships, the Bucks and, and the Rays will always be chasing that now. Mm-hmm. George asks, how many of this Lightning players are or could be Hall of Famers? I was having an argument with someone. I had six. Stamkos, Hedman, Vazzy, Cooch, Point, and McDonough. Um, You would probably have a better opinion about McDonough than me, although, boy, what a playoff series he had, and he was a captain of the, you know, all of that. McDonough's um, a tough one. And, I don't know what the standard is for well, a defenseman in the Hall of Fame. The hard part is he doesn't score a lot of points. So he's, right. he's not going to be high up there. He's not running a power play, Um, you know, some of those things that go with it. But if you want to talk about an NHL defenseman that just wins, He's 11 or 12 years now into his career, has never missed the playoffs. Has had That's a lot of deep runs with the Rangers and then the Lightning. How many times has he been to the Eastern Conference Finals? And now he's got two Stanley Cup rings. Uh, I would say he was the best defenseman in, in, the, in the playoffs for the Lightning as far as defense goes. I mean, right. Hedman may be the better all around, but right. McDonough was a beast in this playoffs and, was, mm-hmm. and, and even offensively contributed quite a bit. But he's yeah. not going to have the stats that way. But is he a Hall of Fame caliber player? Could you put him up defensively against a lot of those guys in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. For the length of his career and how successful it's been and how good he is and still is at, at what, 31 or what, 30, whatever he is right now age-wise. Um, I, I don't know if he will get in. And, you know, maybe the next couple seasons will determine that too. You know, if he wins another one along the way or something, that can go a long way. Um, I think Stamkos is a Hall of Famer. I think Victor Hedman will be a Hall of Famer. Vasilevsky Vasilevsky almost has the credentials right now, and he's 26. So, yeah, projecting, yes. I don't think Cooch is there yet, but there's no reason to think he can't get there. He just Mm -hmm. needs some more time. And and point two, I mean, I think. He'll have to rack it up. He'll have to stay healthy and rack them up. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no reason to think that both Cooch and Point can't get to that level to where you would go. Yes, they're Hall of Famer. They now each have two rings, of course. Uh, Cooch has won the Hart Trophy. Uh, you know, I think Braden Point may get included in some Selkie conversations going forward, which is the best two-way forward. Yep. Um, although Sorelli may pass him on the team for that, quite frankly, because Point doesn't play 
uh, the penalty kill anymore. Uh, but you know, I, I think Cooch and Point, I think they have the skill and 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 definitely a great start in their career for it. But they're going to need a little more time before you can say they're definitely Hall of Famers. But they're on that path. Yeah, if you're a point scorer, you get you have to have longevity and rack up the points because there's standards there with respect to the Hall of Fame. However, being on two world championship teams matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, could Sergachev enter that conversation? Yeah, sure. He's really early in his career. Yeah. But he runs a second power play. At some point, he'll take over for Hedman running the top power play. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that may be five years from now. But, um, you know, so, uh, you know, could Sergachev be in that conversation? Maybe. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean... Look, these players are going to grow and get better. I mean, you know, Brain Point three years ago, we wouldn't have said is Hall of Fame on an arc for that, but now he is. I mean, is, can mm-hmm. Anthony Sorelli continue to make those jumps? Can Ross Colton make jumps as he as his career progresses? Pretty good moment, you yeah. know. Pretty good moment for his early career. How about that? Yeah, I mean, put that on your resume to start a season. And, and I don't know how it works. He's only the, the seventh Fame. American to score the game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. Isn't that crazy of the of the, of the clincher. The kid, the kid came up, and I always say this: if if you're special, it shows up right away. It showed up right away with Ross Cold. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they expected it to show up that fast, but it did. And I don't know how it works with the NHL and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've been in that room and I voted, and I'm tell I'm telling you, championships matter, even though it's a, a team sport, maybe the, the ultimate team sport. And they'll look at all the numbers and they'll they'll dissect it and compare it to guys in the Hall of Fame. If you've been a big part of a world championship team that matters. And you will see that, you know, going back, looking at Super Bowl teams, there are three, four, five, six of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think might have 12, you know, I, I don't even know, but those legacy teams that have won multiple Super Bowls, they get lots of players in the hall of fame. They just do. And, you know, because people look at them and say, here, here are all the reasons why this team won championships. And so, um, for all those guys going back to back, we talked about the dynasty, that's only going to help their own personal legacy, too. Well, I mean, you know, there's winning those championships, and, and like we talked about, it's a team effort. You can almost have a little less stats because you were a key player in many championships. It's almost kind of understood. Maybe you won't have as many touchdowns or goals or assists, but you contributed to such a good team, that, particularly when you've won multiple championships. That it's You know almost, what you have? It's almost a little, a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, too. Moments you have are big huge. moments. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're Franco Harris, you have the immaculate reception, right? If you're, um, you know, that sort of thing. The people remember what happens on big stages because the because the nation is watching. And when you make plays to mm-hmm. win to win championships, that's the you know I've always said this like, you know, one of the things that hurt John Lynch for about eight years. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. I was numbers, just going to bring that one up. Yeah, numbers was one of them. We, we we couldn't find a career defining moment. He just had a lot of them, you know. But they weren't. Now, when you go to Rondé Barber, we immediately say, "Oh, ninety two yard interception return at Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game." Like mm-hmm. that was the moment, right? So people people hone in on that too, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the biggest play? You know, we know Derek Brooks, you know, taking an interception back to clinching the Super Bowl. You know, there's. There's always, you know, a number of moments that people can point to in championships that galvanize them as Hall of Fame players. So, yeah, Ross Colton had a moment. <laughs> we'll yes. see what his career brings, but yes, he's he got did. a moment. All right, Michael asked, I don't think John Cooper gets talked about enough. Can we take a minute to examine the guy's record at pretty much every level he's coached at? And Rybuck followed up. To add to that, is he a future Hall of Fame coach? Well, I think when you win multiple Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, championships, yes. Absolutely. How many guys walking around a planet have more than one? So start there. Look, John Cooper's interesting because, like his team, there were a lot of people, maybe even one on this podcast, uh, that two were on this podcast. Yeah, that were that were questioning how you can have the most talent, win the most games, have the most points, and get swept by Columbus. Like something was missing, and it wasn't hard to say. Well, maybe that something is behind the bench, you know, because. If all this talent is assembled and they clearly can play because you watch it night in and night out, but you can't turn that into championships, usually they get rid of the coach because they're not going to fire all the players. Um, John Cooper has proven that 
he can coach. And I think this too, and a lot of times this happens when, you know, teams um, have a lot of talented players. I think a lot of times a coach get over, gets overlooked because they say, well, you know, look at, look at, he's got the best goaltender and he's got the best, you know, forward and he's got, you know, the best defenseman. Julian Brisebois didn't even get a vote for GM that's, of the year. And that's such Cooper a wasn't in the jacket. Now, you know, the Lightning's regular season was okay. It was just okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, they started off really hot and, and right. kind of coasted at the end. but Right. Uh, Breeze Bob, for sure, got overlooked, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know why people don't talk more about him because, you know, Iserman might have brought in a lot of the core of this team, but it was Breeze Bob who who made it, uh, you know, playoff. Well, you wonder uh, if Iserman would have pulled the trigger on some of those moves because you he paid a hefty have. price for those moves, but you went for Oh, yeah. It. Oh, he went for it. And, and, it and there was – you know, there was a time when the the the, uh, the decision was: do we go forward or do we break it up? You know, because it's just not working. And he wanted to stay with it. You know, he wanted to make some changes, and he had to get rid of some good players to do it. But he 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 felt like he knew what they were lacking. He went out and he got it, and he was right. And they won. And so Julian deserves a ton of credit, and um, probably a lot more than he's receiving. But you know what, John Cooper doesn't have to do anything but wear his rings now. I mean, John Cooper doesn't have to answer questions from idiots like me or anybody else in the media. He can just say, look, I got I got back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, okay? I think I know what I'm doing. I've had some pretty good teams here. I've been, like, to your point, you've been to a lot of finals in Eastern. I mean, you know, he won everywhere before he got here, and now he's won here consistently at the highest level, multiple championships. John Cooper is fine. And, yes, that's, those are the kind of coaches that go into the Hall of Fame. Now, again – longevity how long does he does he coach how many wins does he all that stuff all i know is correct me if i'm wrong how many guys in the league have multiple stanley cup championships right now can't be too many yeah i mean quinville uh, joel quinville maybe quinville does yeah absolutely he does yeah uh who else i mean you know torch won one here and got four jobs and probably will get five you know that's the other thing. When it's almost like a Supreme Court justice. When you win one of these, you're always going to have a job yeah. somewhere. You know, you know Barry it's Trotz like for has life. one. Barry Trotz has one. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Sullivan at Pittsburgh. He's got two. Of course, the yeah. the last ones to go back to back sixteen, seventeen. I'm sure we're overlooking maybe yeah, somebody, well, I'm but I'm but sure the point somebody, the but. point is there's there's just not a lot that win a championship, much less more than one. And certainly going back to back, if you're the coach of a dynasty team. You know well, which, what's been uh, remarkable about Cooper too is he has won a championship at every level. Yeah, it's not an accident. <laughs> it's not, it's not by chance. And, and, and it's also been the second year, second full season at every team, and he almost did it in 2015 with the Lightning. Yeah, I mean Tyler Johnson doesn't is, break his hand. A couple other breaks, so they possibly could have won with that the groin, series. Yeah. yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. The, the other the other thing is is that his story is is incredible. You know, mm-hmm. this guy was an attorney. You know. Um. You know, went went through the the bushes of Texarkana and places like that to make it to the NHL. So, you know, and replaced the coach, by the way, Guy Boucher, who had taken his team to the what to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2011. Yeah, when he first so, took over. Yep. You know, that was you know that that was a, good, a bold move at the time, hiring you know bringing Cooper up, but they knew what they had in him. And now he is. You know, whatever happened two years ago that may have raised more than a few eyebrows about his future, and they, they you know, they they immediately signed him to a long term extension, and people were like, "Hmm, really? Well, yeah, really. This is why." And you know what? He's the perfect guy for their team. He'll be the perfect guy for them next year and the year after that, and as long as they can keep him locked up, because um, the guy can flat out coach, and he's proven that. And like I said, scoreboard. It, it's all about production. It's a it's a zero sum game in professional sports, and he's done it. You know, look how the perception of Bruce Arians has changed, right? Now, Bruce Arians was a guy that didn't get a head coaching job until he was damn near what sixty years old, and that only came because you know he was the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, when their head coach ended up getting leukemia, so. That's how he got his chance. You know, he was run out of Pittsburgh as an offensive coordinator. You know, the fired, retired argument that they had up there with the Steelers after the Super Bowl. And then he goes to Arizona. First, he wins coaches a year uh, in Indianapolis as an interim coach. Goes 9-3. and three. He goes to Arizona. 
wins coach of the year. And if you look at his body of work for 40-something years in the game, it's pretty impressive with the quarterbacks that he's had, the championship teams he's been on, the Super Bowls he's won as an assistant. Now he wins a Super Bowl with the Bucks. you know, at age, what, 60, what was he, 68, um, 67, 68. So if he wins another one, or maybe if he doesn't, he's putting together a Hall of Fame resume. You know, it changes the perception of who you are when you slip that ring on your finger. All right, Les asked, realistically, who are we losing off the Stanley Cup team? No way they bring them all back, right? No, I don't think so. Um, and a lot of that will depend on, on – I mean, most of it is, is salary cap related or maybe all of it. There's also the expansion draft. Well, yeah, two things. So they have 17 players on the roster for next year. You need at least 20. And they're already three or four million over the cap. Uh, so, you obviously you got to shed some money, but you're going to need to bring some players in too. Uh, that doesn't include a backup goalie, which they have Spencer Martin signed. Uh, I don't know if he'll. Be, I don't think he'll be the backup next year. They have him signed basically for the expansion draft and and to go to Syracuse next year. Uh, but so you've got 17 players, uh, and you don't have a backup goalie at this point, you're still missing some, some other players. Uh, unrestricted free agents on this team are Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman. They're both going to get paid a lot of money. I think Coleman's probably going to get in the $4 million range. I don't think the Lightning will be able to keep him. You might be able to keep Barkley Goodrow. You might get him for 2 to $2.5 million. Um, now, you'd have to obviously clear some more cap space to do that, but it's possible. Although, I was talking to uh, Greg Linelli last night and said, you know, if I'm a team, if I'm a, a team that I've got a good team and I'm close to winning and I've got some cap space available, why wouldn't you try to sign both as a tandem? Because they work so well together. I mean, they're both unrestricted free agents. Don't just go after one of them. Go after both of them. You fix your – there's sense, your number yeah. one penalty kill unit right there. Right. Um, and then, you know, these are guys that play better in the playoffs in the regular season, and they're good regular season guys. Um, you know, now I don't know. They may both want to go different places. Blake Coleman's from Texas. Maybe he'd rather sign in Dallas or. You, yeah, you know, they all have their own. There yeah. or, you know, St. Louis, which may be a little closer or something like that. Um, you know, Barkley Goodrow, who knows? You know, I mean, I, you know, don't know them personally where they may want to go. But it's a thought of, you know what? They're both free agents at the same time. And you saw the instant chemistry they had together. Um, Jamel Smith's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Ross Colton and Alex Bari Boulay are restricted free agents in the forward group. So they're going to get paid that. So you've got to pay them for next year. Uh, now right. they have arbitration rights, so they'll probably be about a million dollars each. Uh, so, you know, you're already a couple million over the cap and you've got to sign these players. Yeah. The or names the, you hear are, yeah. you know, they, they might have, to, I mean, obviously they, they put Johnson out there several times already. Um, yep. So you would expect perhaps that to be the same thing. Alex Kalorn, you hear, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I know his salary's up there um, for the number of years he's played. I mean, that, he's such a key part of this team, but he didn't play the last yeah. several games, and they still won the Cup. Well, the one thing is, is, is Palat, Johnson, and Kalorn have modified no-trade clauses now, which means there's a group of teams they can submit to either they want to be traded to or here's the ones you can't trade me to. And then you have options to trade the rest. Uh, Yanni Gord has a full no-trade clause, although he could be taken in the expansion draft. It's not a no-move clause. That's the difference there. Um, you know, And on the back end, too, Dave, David Savard, Luke Shen are unrestricted free agents. Cal Foots are restricted free agents. You only have five defensemen signed for next year. Now, you, I mean, you could bring someone up from the minors as well. So, you know, they've probably got a shed, depending on, you know, how much they're going to pay Ross Colton, um, Cal Foot, if they're going to bring Luke Shen back as a depth defenseman. You know, I mean, you probably got to shave – Eight to ten million off this roster, just going off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, so you start looking at Kalorn who makes four point four five millions, uh, Tyler Johnson's five million a year, Andre Palat's five point three with only one year left. Mm-hmm. Uh, he becomes a restricted free agent next season. Uh, you know, uh, look, we talked about this last night, Tom and I. Uh, the elephant in the room, uh, you know, Steven Stamkos has a no trade clause. Does he waive it? Does he retire? Is there something that's going to affect? The, the the lightning in a big way that way um we don't know yeah he's got three years left at eight and a half million on his contract yeah i mean you could uh, you could you could solve a lot of problems if 
And when I say problems, you hate to lose the captain, right? Well, the, the first um, thing you have to decide is who are you protecting against the expansion draft. Right. So you can either protect four forwards and four defensemen and a goalie, which obviously Vasilevsky is a goalie you're protecting. Or you can protect three defensemen and seven forwards. So the question is, on defense, you're going to protect Hedman. You have to because he's got a no-move clause. Sergachev and Chernak you're going to protect because they're younger and, and that. So the question is, do you want to protect Ryan McDonough or not? If you protect McDonough, then you only get to protect four forwards. If you don't protect McDonough, then you can protect seven forwards. And guys like Ross Colton would need to be protected. Yanni Gord. Absolutely. Um, you know, all these. So your forwards, you have to protect Kucherov and Stamkos because they have no move clauses. So you can't, they can't be in the expansion draft. You're going to protect Point and Sorelli. So there's your four forwards. So if you're going to protect McDonough, that means you don't protect Gord, Johnson, Kalorn, Ross Colton, uh, Matthew Joseph, uh, you know, name, you know, uh, Goodrow and Coleman are unrestricted free agents, so they're not in the expansion draft part. Yeah. So, you know, the question is, are they going to leave McDonough available? Now, McDonough had a whale of a playoffs. But he's 32, and he's got five years left on his contract at 6.75 a year. Would wow. Seattle take that contract? Yeah. That's the question. I mean, they have room to take contracts. But, you know, Vegas, one of the things Vegas did was they took on some big contracts, but they all had one year left. Mm-hmm. So they had one year of paying the guy, and then they could do whatever they wanted, resign them, get rid of them. You know, they took those contracts for one year. Would you take him for five years, knowing that McDonough, by the end of that five years, may not be the player he is today. Most likely won't be. Vegas also put together a team that went to the Cup the first year. Well, yeah. No, absolutely. Incredible. Uh, And, you know, I mean, McDonough's a great defenseman. If you want to, you know, you need an anchor in your defense for a a starting team, Mm -hmm. he'd be fantastic back there. But four years from now, do you want him still at 6.75 mil? Exactly. You know, so you know Julian Breezeball has got some tough decisions to make, but quite frankly, after you win two cups, you'll take those decisions on, and you'll trust him. And and mm-hmm. you, you know he's the guy you want making them because the, he's pushed all the right buttons to this point. So um, he's also familiar with what they have coming up. You know, um, guys that can eventually replace those mm-hmm. guys. So yeah, it's uh, it's you know it it's sad in the sense that every year every team is different, and you'd like to keep guys together, but in a salary cap era uh you know it, that's why it's hard to win multiple championships that's why what they've done is is so impressive because you don't have teams that stay together um forever and ever and ever that's why there hasn't the same thing is true in the nfl where you haven't had you know a lot of multiple uh back-to-back-to-back winners in uh in the nfl which is what you know the last one to do it was the was the patriots in 0304 so um salary cap changed that and it's going to change it in every sport that has it and it'll be the case here but uh, i would trust the process i trust whatever decisions those guys make because they're not easy ones well les had a follow-up question on and he said is steven stamkos the greatest lightning player in franchise history he's played in three stanley cup finals been a captain for eight years a number of team records and has his name on back-to-back cups now um I mean, I should say without hesitation, he is. But I had a little hesitation because of Marty St. Louis. Um, I know he didn't win more than one Stanley Cup. Uh, Marty was an MVP of the league. Uh, Certainly has that penultimate moment in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Was a captain as well. Played a long time. Came with, you know, obviously Benny's numbers retired. Marty's numbers retired. Stamkos certainly will be. But, again, to the victor goes the spoiled. He was the captain of two Stanley Cup championship teams and played big roles. And went to now, the finals on the third as a captain. Yeah, but now last year, and this is just no way, you know, no way to get around this, he didn't play. He played five shifts or whatever. But so, he had his moment. But he had a, one of the biggest moments in Tampa Bay sports history, right? So, yeah, I think it's going to be Stamkos when it's all said and done. Well, I think he is until Vasilevsky retires. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Or maybe Hedman. You, Hedman. I mean, I think Stamkos. Hedman will. Hedman might eclipse Stamkos when he by the time he retires, and then Vassy may eclipse them all. Yeah, and I think you know Stamkos got hurt by a lot of injuries and how many games he's missed over the years. Mm-hmm. That I think at the end, you know, Vassy or 
Headman or possibly Kucherov will end up being the greatest player in Lightning. But right now, if yes. I said right now, as we sit here today with this question being asked on the 8th of July, 2021, as we do this podcast or tape it, uh, it's, it's probably Stamkos. Stamkos or St. Louis, you're correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casey asked, is today the first day ever that there have been three Tampa Bay victories on the same day? Of course, he's referring to the Rays doubleheader yesterday and then the Lightning winning game five. And I'll add in, battling a tropical storm. <laughs> I'd be willing to say that, yes, on the same day that you were battling a tropical storm, there probably hasn't been three victories by professional <laughs> sports teams. I mean, first of all, the doubleheader. I'm trying to think, you know, there's there are times, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, you're talking about championships, so it's different when you win a Stanley Cup or a championship. But um, I can remember, you know, one of the, the the most memorable days in Tampa Bay sports was uh, when the Tampa Bay Rays clinched the American League Championship Series to go to the World Series in 08. That same night, um, it was a Sunday night game, I believe, the Bucks beat Seattle at Raymond James. That was a pretty good sports day. Um, and the Bucks at that time, I, I can't remember if they made the playoffs in 08 or not. I don't think they did, but uh, nonetheless... There's, there's, I, I can't imagine there's been one that's been as celebrated, um, including a championship. But look, it was a doubleheader sweep over the Cleveland Indians that had lost ten in a row. Let's not had a no hitter. Well, yeah, doesn't count, Steve. I, which you, know, you and I were talking before the podcast. I know uh-huh. you and Tom talked about this yesterday as well. If the game is scheduled for seven innings, what else can the pitching staff do? Well, that's what Tom Tom's argument is. He said, look, they, they got no hits. The game was completed, and they got no hits. That's a no-hitter. It wasn't rained out after seven. No. It was scheduled for seven. Yeah. I mean, that's the rules of baseball this year is doubleheaders or seven-inning Well, games. they've changed the rules uh, in, in a lot of ways, and we talked about this before uh, the pod, too, is that, okay, so when you put a guy on second base in extra innings, if he scores, he doesn't count as an earned run against the pitcher's uh, you know, statistics. But they give the player an RBI if he drives him in. So what is that? Well, you, know? you did drive him in. I know, but he, he was there by virtue of, of the, the no, rules but, that but, you but, just put a guy at second base. But, I mean, when you get an RBI, it doesn't matter if the runner got on by a double or an error or a catcher's interference or however they got on base. I mean, if you drove, if the runner's on base, you drove him in. I know you in. drove him in. I get it. It, it just seems like you're, you're, you're certainly making it easier for me to get an RBI if you station a guy at second base before I come up to bat every time in the extra innings. I don't know. It's, you know what I mean? Like you have we're, – we're through the looking glass on this. You have changed baseball with these seven-inning doubleheaders. So I don't know what the right answer is, to be honest with you. Um I mean, it is a no-hitter, but it's not nine innings. It's not 27 outs. It's 21 outs. Does that matter? I don't know. But, you know, Baumgartner and the Rays, have, have a they have a case, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think they do. So, whatever it was, I, I can guarantee you this. The Indians didn't feel good about it. <laughs> I've been no-hit before in high school one time. Our coach got so mad at us, and we had a really good team. We were... We won the district, I think, that year, my senior year, and we went to Bogey. And I can't remember the name of Bogey. I can't remember the name of the kid that pitched against us. He couldn't throw very hard, and we were all just up there hacking away. Didn't get any hits. Our coach came back and ran us in a thunderstorm so hard. And then when it started raining and lightning, he put us inside the field house. We had to remain in push-up position. That's how that's how mad he was about that seven-inning no-hitter we we just faced. So, not sure the Indians had to do that. Um, but no hitters are embarrassing. Well, just think the Indians, uh, you came in scuffling. You haven't been playing very well. Right. You're leading in game one, and you lose on a walk-off. Right. Then you come, you, you sit through a tropical storm, come back to do a doubleheader, and you get, get obliterated beat 8-1 to one, one. and then get yeah. no hit the second game. And no hit the second game. Ugh. Woof. That's tough. That's a bad series. And Terry Francona losing to his best friend there, Kevin Cash. Well, we always like that part. Yeah, that was hard, though. Yes. So Sean asked, are the Lightning now the greatest team in Tampa Bay sports history? I'll happily change that next February. Um, yes. Yeah, they are. They won back-to-back championships. Look, why do you play? You play for the ships. You don't, you know, um, 
Good job. You play good effort. to win the game. You play to hello. They always, as, as Herm Edwards tells me, when they say that, they always forget hello. Um, yes, a thousand times yes. That's that's the only reason you know everybody. And and you can talk about you know the longevity and the number of playoffs that Tony Dungy went to four times in six years, or you know throwing John Gruden with a Super Bowl and you know three times in whatever it was. This is the best run of any team in Tampa Bay, period. And and probably and look, we don't know what the Bucks are going to do. I'll say this: you know, you can't anticipate with football or even in hockey what injuries will do to your football team. I mean, clearly, you have a forty-four-year-old quarterback, so you don't want him to get hit too much. And if he were to get knocked out, that the whole picture changes, right? Same thing is true with the offensive line. Look what happened to. Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Patrick Mahomes was any less of a quarterback last year when his team got to the Super Bowl, but I do think he ran for 500 yards being chased because they couldn't block anybody. So anything can change. This team that they're bringing back for the Bucks, I think can beat half the teams on its schedule right now without practicing. Um, that's how good I think they are. So they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in a hunt, and we'll see. You know, if, if they go to a Super Bowl and lose it, uh, you know, all I know is the Lightning have won back-to-back titles, period. And you just mentioned how many chances they, you know, how far they went. Um, their their seventy wins or whatever the last couple of years in the playoffs. No one's come close to what they've done, and certainly not in Tampa Bay. So the Bucks have that opportunity. They they certainly could put themselves in that same conversation, and there's every expectation that they will um, have a real good look at it. But until they do it, yeah. I think I think I think they are. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber or both in a safe and judgment free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. All right, we'll switch some sports here. We've got a couple other questions here. Yeah. And Narenda asked, how many players are returning from last year's 53-player roster for the Bucks? We know all the starters are back, but how many of those 53? You know, I haven't added it up, uh, 22 starters. Mike, there's a lot of backups. But here's what we don't know is uh, when you say coming back, nobody's roster spot is guaranteed. Um, I guess you could say Tom Brady's is. I was going to say, there's one. Yeah. Um, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, you know, um, probably ah. Antonio Brown and, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, Godwin's franchise, so they got to pay him either way. But my thing is that uh, there could be backups on this team or, or possibly a starter. I don't know who it would be. But there could be backups on this team that aren't, you know, from last year that don't return, that get beat out. Remember, they spent a lot of money and effort trying to draft players that they like. And they like them for the future. Um, here's one. Okay, you have backup quarterbacks, Blaine Gabbert and uh, Ryan Griffin. Well, they were your two and three last year. Well, you just drafted Kyle Trask. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kyle Trask makes this football team. So, you know, Gabbert and Griffin are both back, but one of them is not going to be on the 53-man roster unless, you know, he gets injured and in IR and that kind of thing. You're not going to keep four quarterbacks. You're just not going to do it. So, so there's a player that's going to get replaced. You know, uh, Jalen Darden, uh, the the speedy receiver and kick returner from North Texas, is going to take somebody's job off this off this team. Uh, it could be Keyshawn Vaughn's job. You know, maybe you maybe you go with one less running back um, because you need a better special teams player. And and I'm not. This is not my prediction, but I'm just saying everything changes. So I can count Keyshawn Vaughn as a returning returning player. But I don't know if he's going to make the roster. You know, there's a lot of guys in that situation. 
The Bucks drafted with Joe Tryon. Okay, so if I'm an outside linebacker, all right, and I'll just pick on this guy for no apparent reason, but say I'm Patrick O'Connor. Well, Patrick O'Connor was out there during OTAs because you know why? He's got to work to try to make us rot to earn his roster spot again. He's a he's a rotational guy. He's not a starter. Joe Tryon's not going to be a starter, but I bet you, I bet you this he's going to find his way on the field in that rotation pretty quick because they think he's a hell of a talent and they took him in the first round. So he's on the football team. Okay, so he's going to take somebody's spot. So it's hard to sort of calculate well how many guys are back when they don't know if they're really back. Um, I you know. By Arian's estimate, I heard him say this one day, and I haven't done the math, but I, I think he follows it pretty closely. He's the coach. He said that he thinks maybe maximum, I believe he said, there might be seven to eight competitive spots for this football team, new players that have a, you know, that, that have a chance to take jobs. Seven or eight out of a 53-man roster. Now, a bunch of guys, you know, you, you really want to make the 60, you want to really want to make the – you know, the practice squad too. So, you know, that might be 65 players, right? Uh, or whatever the practice squad number is these days. So, you know, but as far as the 53 guys that are going to line up, you know, and, and be eligible for Sunday's games, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to know, but it's not many. I can promise you that. And, but, and, and having said that, if a guy comes in, if Cameron Kinley, you know, comes in from the Naval Academy – and just lights it up every day in practice and in the preseason, guess what? They may have to cut a guy that they really liked last year. You know, you just don't know. That That's the great thing about it. Everybody, when you get to this level, there it is a business. So understand that when they invest a lot of money in draft picks, they tend to want to, you know, give that investment a chance to pay dividends. But you put away your letter sweater when you show up here. It's pro football. And – Nobody cares really where you're drafted. If you can go out there and do the job and you're better than the guy in front of you, you're going to get a chance. And so, you know, that's the beauty of training camp. But but I have not covered many teams, and because they won a Super Bowl and they got 22 starters, that have had this much competition um, for just a roster spot. It's hard to make this football team. It can be really hard. All right, rooting for UF asked, why do Tampa area fans dislike Stu Sternberg so much? I get that owners are rarely liked overwhelmingly by the fans. However, Stu had done more with less, pumped millions into the trop, provided affordable ticket options, and put a winner on the field for years. And he did twice propose a new stadium that didn't get local support. Why the hate? Do fans just resent that Stu has proven that Tampa area isn't a good baseball market? Um, I, I mean, look, I think whatever uh, fuzzy feelings there might have been in the past go away pretty quickly when – and and you can question his motives here or not. Um, you know, he, he will tell you he's trying to save baseball for Tampa Bay, and he thinks this is the only way. But as soon as you mention wanting to move your team, even for half a season, you've lost a lot of the fan base. And now maybe he thinks there's not much uh, of one to begin with, but that's not been tr- proven true through um, TV ratings and other things. The stadium has been the biggest issue. Um, he was aware of that when he bought the team. I think he's tried in many different ways uh, to you know, figure a solution for that. It hasn't happened. Um, I think people feel, rightly or wrongly, that you know he's not willing to put a number on the amount of money he's, he's going to invest in a new ballpark. Um, that probably bothers some people. And the fact, you know, and I don't know if this is a thing or not, but, I mean, he's from New York. He was a Mets fan, all of that, right? I mean, uh, but it's undeniable. Here's what's undeniable. The Rays weren't very good as an organization until Stu Sternberg got here. Let's just say it, okay? They were terrible, and they were going to stay terrible. And so ownership matters. He rebranded this team. He hired people that, like Andrew Friedman and others that did a tremendous job. He went out of the box with Joe Madden. Um, they went to World Series. They continue to be uh, win as many games as any team uh, in baseball over the last few years. Uh, and do it in a system that doesn't have, um, you know, a level playing field. There's no salary cap per se. Uh, you know, you, you're outspent sometimes four to one in your own division. Uh, and they they have what is the envy of, of, of baseball. You know, if you're, if you're in a business and 
you're paying so much per victory and you see where the Rays are paying and what you're paying, um, you probably, that's why so many guys are getting jobs that work for this baseball team. So, so much of what Stu Sternberg has done is great. Not good. Great. And I think he deserves that. Um, it's his baby. He's the one that, you know, hires everybody. So you can't, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, you have to give him credit, um, for what the Rays represent, which is a hell of a franchise under, you know, dire circumstances in a market that let's face it, even when they won, people didn't go to the games. Um, now we can sit here and debate that and we're not going to do it today because I've had those stadium shows about, you know, it's a chicken and the egg thing. They don't go because the stadium or, you know, some other reason that they, they don't, you know, spend money on players or maintaining, you know, too much turnover, whatever you want to attribute that to, it's still undeniable that they've had a pretty good run here of success. Um, and don't have the attendance, even in a small market, to show for it. So, I mean, Sternberg's in a tough position here. Let's let's acknowledge that. I, I don't think I don't think he should be disliked. Um, I understand why people maybe are suspicious of what his motives are, what his grand plan is. But he's been pretty consistent in saying for a long time that the only way it would work was to get a new stadium someplace else, and now. Um, he has said it's never going to work in St. Petersburg or maybe even Tampa Bay. And the only way to save Tampa Bay baseball is to spend half the year in Montreal. I'm not a big fan of that idea. I don't know why Major League Baseball would, would want to do it. I don't know why, why a player would want to do it. Um, but that's where we're at. So that's a long-winded way of saying I understand. I see both sides. I know why fans wouldn't particularly put Stuart Sternberg on their high list of of uh, ownerships, you know, owners uh, of franchises in Tampa Bay. By the same token, I, I think it's unfair in some ways that he's much better. I mean, just look at the performance and not sort of, you know, what what the underlying issues are right now. Um, what he's done has been remarkable. And, and all you need to know is baseball's paid attention and they've tried to hire as many of, of the race executives as they can and they're all working and winning. Uh, last time I checked, uh, the Boston Red Sox were doing pretty good. They were they were leading the American League East and leading the race. And Heim Bloom's up there. So, um, you know, he traded away the greatest player in the American League in Mookie Betts, and it worked out. Uh, you know, so give I wouldn't say give him a pass, but let's be realistic when we try to evaluate Stuart Sternberg. All right, we'll end on this, and Carl had asked. With society becoming more accepting to marijuana use, especially for medicinal purposes, do you see the NFL, the Olympics, and other leagues relaxing their stance on it maybe five, ten years from now, ever? I think it's good. I don't know about the Olympics, although this, this, um, you know, the situation with the sprinter is, is something that's tragic, in my opinion. Uh, it's definitely happening in the NFL. Uh, I, think, I think societal uh, changes are happening all the time. You know, we, uh, how many states allow medicinal marijuana? Um, how many states allow recreational marijuana how many uh you know different pain medications or derivatives uh of marijuana so you know when you get into this um you know attitudes and what should be banned and what shouldn't be banned society is changing its its uh its viewpoints on it and you know the science backs it up to some extent i don't want to get into marijuana debate and whether it should be legalized and that sort of thing but i do think that like society, these um, sports organizations, um, professional sports teams, maybe in the Olympics at some point, are going to have to evolve. They're going to have to evolve, or you know, or put their head in the sand. It's it's really that simple. You're, you know, and and you know we can debate, you know, what enhances performance, what enables athletes to recover better, um, cope better mentally, physically, all that, and try to level the playing field. But all I know is that it's prevalent in our society. It's used in a lot of various ways. And I'm certain, at least in the NFL, it would not surprise me if it's something that's really, first of all, it's a joke in some respects in the NFL now um, in that, you know, they they advertise when they're going to test for it. So, I mean, you you know, if you do use marijuana and and you're told, 
sort of when to stop. They only test for it once in training camp, I think, and then you don't get tested again unless you fail that that test. So in, in some respects, it's sort of a don't look, don't tell thing already in the NFL. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you're going to see that drug or that uh, stigma be be erased as it has been in society. Look, live it up, Tampa Bay. You've got the boat parade coming up on Monday, so you got to get you know yourself out to that. And uh, if if you ever come down from the, the intoxicating victory that they had in the Stanley Cup final, winning back to back, the Rays are going to host the Blue Jays over the weekend, their last series before the All Star break, and next week. On Wednesday, Monty Kiffin will be at the Bucks for a press conference to announce uh, and discuss his uh, induction into the Ring of Honor, which will happen against the Atlanta Falcons in September. So we got all that to look forward to. It's been an unbelievable week. Uh, if you run into Nikita Kucherov, what do you say to him, Steve? Number one BS. Number one BS. Number one, number one BS. And Are you so, serious? Are you serious? <laughs> So in, enjoy your world champion, NHL Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back. We'll be back on Monday. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great, great weekend, Tampa Bay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.